0: Welcome to the Point of Convergence podcast. I am your host, Grant Lira. Get ready to sit down, tune in, and implement. Remember, the knowledge you learn here and anywhere else in your life is only worth something to you if you use it. So get implementing after this episode and enjoy. Right. Welcome back to the Point of Convergence podcast. Today, we are joined by Silly Williams of the Buckhead Recruiting Company. Silly, how are you doing today, brother?
1: Man, I'm doing great. I appreciate the opportunity
0: to uh, be able to talk to you today. Right on. Right on. And you guys are based out of uh, sunny Atlanta, yeah? Yeah. Yeah,
1: we're based out of Atlanta. Uh, I don't know if sunny is a good, re- <laughs> is a good uh, description. Sometimes it's sunny, sometimes it's not.
0: But yeah, uh, based here in Atlanta. So something, fun fact about Atlanta that I didn't know, maybe some of the listeners don't know as well, it does get cold there in the winter. It gets very cold in the winter. Yeah, it
1: gets cold here. It, I, I don't, for us, it's snow. For, you know, depending on where people live, they probably laugh it off. Well, yeah, it even uh, gets a little flurries here sometimes, but yeah, it definitely does get pretty cold. Like I think two weeks ago, it was like a 30 something degrees, which was crazy. Like one day it was 30. The other day it was next day. It was like 80. So it it fluctuates quite a bit, but yeah, it does get a little chilly.
0: Yeah. When I, when I spent some time down there, um, you know, I was expecting it to be super hot and it was, it didn't let me down on that front, but then (laughs) during the winter, I was like, it feels like Wisconsin, because I'm a Wisconsin guy. I'm like, wow, this is (laughs) is like home almost. Yeah, you know, that's one of the best things about
1: Atlanta. Uh, One of the best things is that you get four seasons here, right? So you really get to feel summer, like summer's intense. You get spring, does bring on pollen and the rest of those things that spring bring on. And it it does have a relatively uh, brutal winter, uh, depending on which day of the week you're looking
0: at. Uh, It can get pretty intense. Absolutely. So, so Lee, let's talk about the company, man. Let's talk about Buckhead Recruiting. What's going on in the company right now? What are you focusing on?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's a really exciting time. Um, You know, I think that the pandemic really helped to shift us in in, in more of a different light. Um, One of the ways that we started our business from the beginning uh, was focusing on four different particular areas, and I think that has served us well. So we primarily do recruiting of sales positions marketing, customer service, and IT. Uh, We don't really branch outside of those four areas um, just because those are our sweet spots. And uh, one thing I've come to learn is that within those four areas, especially sales and marketing, when businesses are doing well, they need salespeople and marketing people to talk about it. When the economy is doing bad, you need salespeople and marketing people to put your branding out there. So it really gives us a unique opportunity in the market to kind of really stay front and center, no matter what's going on and what type of changes are happening around us. And I I would say during uh, this time of the pandemic has also proven this uh, to be true as well for us. So we're
0: excited about that. So you said something interesting there. The yeah. pandemic really helped you guys shift focus. How did you identify that? How did you realize that, okay, this is happening and X is what we need to do? Because I know a lot of people, they they feel that pressure and they don't necessarily know what direction to take. And they may even still be feeling that today. So what advice would you give You know, from your experience of how to find exactly where to shift and what to shift to?
1: Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, one of the ways I would say the pandemic helped us is again. So we always focus on those areas <laughs> in our space that we work in. We uh, some of our competitions are some pretty big players and some pretty big names, right? With us being smaller and just the way that we built our company, um, and I guess we can talk about that in a bit. We were able to capitalize on and stay focused in the what quote unquote, what would be small players uh, that our bigger competition did not have time to waste. Right. So what they view to be small, our company view to be big based upon the size of our company. And in return, when a lot of our competition kind of jump shift, and move focus, we were able to build stronger core relationships with those clients and really become their go-to. So now that places are becoming busier going back online, we have stronger cords and more, uh, I guess, just overall better relationships with those companies um, than we would before. And I would say the pandemic helped move a lot of that competition out the way so that we are able to shine within
0: that space and do what we do well. Yeah, and so you guys are in recruiting, and obviously that's more for you a B two B you know sales scenario. So yeah, building those relationships with the actual companies when the bigger guys were maybe caught up in you know X Y or Z whatever the their case was. Building those relationships is what helped you drive to, you know, when now we're like kind of coming out of it, it seems like stuff is opening up again and stuff's becoming a little bit more uh, normal, but building those relationships in that downtime, when a lot of the bigger companies said, no, we don't want to do this. Or, you know, no, we have to focus on other things. That's really what propelled you guys.
1: Yeah, it, it really did. Right. So uh, I spent most of my career working in sales prior to uh, starting this company. And so, although we're in the space of recruiting per se, it's still a sales business, right? So we are selling our service to clients. We're selling candidates to clients. We're selling uh, clients to candidates, etc. So it's a lot of sales going on here at one particular time, and uh, also to just in my sales career, you know, you're 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 kind of trained to see opportunities when other people don't, right? So. In essence, as a salesperson, your job is to see opportunities when other people see chaos, when other people see problems, opposition, I see opportunity. And that's the same exact thing I've seen here. I, I looked at the size of our business, I looked at the totality of what was going on, and then we was able to quickly pivot into making sure we build those long lasting conversations. And we knew we can be able to weather the storm because of some of those things, and it allow us to come on the other end, not only to uh, survive, but also to, to thrive. You know. Uh, it, it, being able to open up a second location. We were able to hire people. When others were shrinking, we were able to kind of grow and blossom. So, you know, those things have all kind of worked out in our favor with being able to see those unique opportunities uh, as the market kind of shifts and, and moves. And, and again, I think it's because when we started the business, we focused on driving positions, right? Positions that are revenue-based positions, ones who are in the uh, at the front end that you're always going to need no matter what position the economies in. You need salespeople, you need market, marketing always to uh, to drive your message and to push your business forward.
0: And, I mean, right there, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's exactly right too. And like looking at a company from an operating standpoint, if you don't have sales, if you don't have marketing, you don't have a company. You know, you need no. to have those things in line in order to drive your company. Because if, 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 hypothetically, if you had Everything's set up. Everything's awesome, role and fulfillment, um, delegation, all that good stuff, but you're not driving any sales and you're not setting any appointments. What so, good does that you, do right? you? Yeah. yeah,
1: and also two the third component is that we focus on IT, right? So you need someone who builds the product, who, mm. who creates the innovation going on in your business. And so those are the three areas that we focus on primarily, which are always areas that businesses need no matter where you find yourself.
0: And you guys hiring IT people pretty regularly because I know that's a very, very intense skill to learn for a lot of people. And people who have it down yeah, nowadays are pretty much set up where they can just walk in and say, hey, this is my IT experience. I want to work for you. And, you know, it's, it's a, a growing field for sure. But how often are you guys bringing on new IT people?
1: Oh, well, we're hiring them every day for, for some of our larger clients. Um, so we have a pretty unique business model um, on the back end to be able to find those people. Again, uh, what we found to kind of be our secret sauce is we only focus on four areas. So every day we're doing training, every day that we're talking to people, every day we, we're strengthening and growing those cords. We're just getting better and better at better at finding those people, having those conversations uncovering those unspoken things and then then being able to deliver to our clients those candidates that they need who are the most qualified for those roles so i I would say that became it right we uh i know i don't know where geographically a lot of people are who listen to this podcast but here in atlanta there's a uh a famous uh fast food place called chick-fil-a who only focus on chicken, right? So we kind of became the Chick-fil-A of recruiting where we understand every aspect of it. So we deliver it to
0: you consistent, consistently every single time when there's a... Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can go wide, but then you can't go very deep or you could go narrow and you can go super deep. So that that's, that's exactly true. right. That's yeah. exactly the approach I would recommend. And something you said that was super interesting, Zully, is that... You guys do training every day. Could you break that down and tell us a little bit like what that looks like, what the structure is, how you kind of shift focus from day to day, or if it stays pretty much the same, what does that look like?
1: Yeah, so our business is broken up into two different departments. We have a recruiting department and then we have an account manager department, which is more so sales, right? We have individual training that takes place between those two. We are becoming better at uncovering needs, speaking to clients, building those relationships on this end. Uh, in our recruiting team, we're having training around being able to find the best candidates, uncovering some of these conversations, getting to know them, getting to know their personalities um, and being able to search and use our tools and building just kind of those internal relationships with those candidates as much as possible so that we can become the best in both of those worlds. Again, uh, it's kind of like our Chick-fil-A philosophy, right? Like we really just want to horn in on one different thing, excuse me, on one particular thing so that we can become the best at it um, and that we can kind of sew up that market, if you will, that uh, we have just allow our stuff to become known within that space. We found that to be the most, um, uh, the most effective
0: way to, uh, to do the business that we're doing. Yeah. And so I know a lot of people, especially in the sales world, this is super important is having that, camaraderie and keeping that energy level up and a lot of people do do that through like daily trainings or something like that right they have their yeah. sales teams meet every day they could be role-playing they could be going through scripts they could be talking about what's working or not working for outreach so that way the marketing department uh, and them can kind of collaborate and understand you know the true uh, boots on the ground needs yeah. do you guys do it every day is there a lot of you know that kind of stuff or how do you actually structure it
1: you know, so a couple of things, right? So just to kind of backtrack a bit, like I said, I, I worked in variety of sales. I, I've done uh, things from mortgages. Uh, I worked in medical sales, all the way to selling tech. And one of the things I've I've done is started to glean from each one of these spaces and what I wanted to build a company, right? So. I think part of it is having some of those daily meetings, talking about skills, bringing those things out. But one thing I've noticed is that a lot of times you can burn people out just having these conversations. And before I started this particular company, I was working at a a pretty well-known company. I don't know if I can say the name, but I'll say it anyway. You can edit if it's not. Uh, I used to, I worked at Yelp. Uh, I lived in Chicago for a while, worked at Yelp. And the reason I went to go work there is because I was so intrigued on how tech companies keep employees engaged where it almost becomes like a badge of honor working there, right? So I took a look at the environment. I took a look at the culture. I took a look at the location. I took a look at everything that they embody. And some of those things we pull here. So we don't just spend a lot of time Focusing solely on just skill set, we also build those relationships, right? So from where our office is located, we're located in Midtown. Uh, we are in a pretty tech somewhat filled building. We're located down the street from a big park, uh, Piedmont Park, which is the largest park in Atlanta. So people can work down there. You can walk around Midtown. You can. There's different places here. There's a relaxing room you can go to here. There's a meditation room. We have television set up within kind of our sales. Uh, space where you can play video games and watch TV and kind of relax. We have a uh, people can work outside off of a balcony and different things because all of those things come together to make the best sales solution possible. Um, and so I, I learned those things where we focus on skill, but we also focus on culture. And I think that's what makes us uh, the best that we can be when we're talking about strengthening and growing, with, growing our sales culture
0: and salespeople. And I love that you said that because mm-hmm. that is such a big component of sales. And it's not a necessarily on paper thing like, oh, culture. Right. I need to, I need to make culture today, right? It doesn't happen like that. It happens right. over time. And for somebody who's coming into this space, they're thinking about it, you know, they've seen some of the companies that they admire, they've seen their culture, and maybe they worked in a company that they really liked or really didn't like the culture of. The thing I'm, I'm curious about here is your process on creating that culture because I know a lot of people will go in and they'll think, okay, this is what I want to happen. Is this the right idea? Is this the best for the company? Is this actually going to work and not just have people, you know, take have too much fun and not get any work done? Because I think there's a super fine line, but right. at the same time, sales is a different field where like those sales people are definitely uh, a little bit more extroverted. They're a little bit more... Uh, I, I can say this because I have ADHD, ADHD prone. You know what I mean? They're kind of all over the yeah. place. Yeah, but, really um, same. so how do you, how do you like say, okay, this is a decision I make. I'm sticking to it. And now I'm going to implement it. Cause that's a whole process and it doesn't happen overnight.
1: Well, I think it's about setting the right tone. And I think also too, what allowed me the opportunity was this, right? So, couple of things that I've noticed is that most of the time when you talk about a founder you, you fall into kind of a couple of different buckets right so you may have the tech founder who started who had a really great tech idea from college so there was at Stanford it was at these different colleges and then they created it right so uh, they started but they never really worked for anyone they just kind of shot up to the leadership so they never really went through the ranks or you have someone who's kind of old school, they've been there for a really long time and they say, okay, this is the way we did it then and they kind of run it. For my particular business, again, I knew I wanted to start this business years before we started it, before we opened up the doors here in 2017, but I also spent a unique time being a salesperson. Um, spending, <clears throat> spending that time in the desk, being the person who's under leadership, being that person who, who's absorbed a lot of these things. And so it, it gave me the unique opportunity of knowing how to position it, right? So listen, I, I heard some of the gripes that people had. I've heard some of the things that people thought were going well. And I was able to mirror those things, especially even from my own personal experiences, being in those seats and knowing, okay, this is how I can create the culture, what I think people would appreciate. This is how I can create the structure, and what I think is needed for success, and this is how I can be able to marry the two because I was once them in a very small time ago.
0: Yeah, and then something too because at the end of the day, if you're running your own business, if you're a partner in a business, you are in sales, right? Everybody's okay. in sales yeah. and business, absolutely. So, salespeople, you know, they're very—I'll uh, say—they're very volatile. Like from experience, you know, they got high highs and they got low lows. Now. Moving into something where it's not as fun to talk about, like the culture. Culture is really fun to talk about. I love talking about culture. It's one of my favorite things to talk about, but discipline. Like if somebody is not hitting numbers, if somebody's showing up late to work, if somebody's, you know, just slacking off, like how would you go about actually addressing them um, and not just destroying their morale, right? Not just hammering it into them that like, hey, you suck, blah, blah, blah. Like how would you actually go about and how do you actually go about, you know, establishing that that discipline, but more importantly, that, hey, this is what I expect, this is what we need to happen. Uh, you're, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give my answer away, but how, how would you do it? You know, that's a really good
1: question, right? And I think that is a fine line uh, one of the things I like to do is this. Two things I found to be very uh, useful in our business. One is setting the tone up front, right? So this is what we expect out of this culture. These are the things that I feel like to be able to make it into a success, um, and these are things that are that are required to work in this space. But second thing that I that I rely on more than the first. Is being able to be transparent, right? So a lot of times when people work for a company or work for a founder, they it just becomes more of a working relationship, but not a personal relationship, right? So the more you have a personal relationship with the person, the more they get to understand you, the more they get to understand the story. Respect and trust is built there. Like for example, within our company, uh, we don't have we have unlimited PTO. Uh, we don't really have a strict dress code. Now, no one takes six months off and no one shows up in uh, flip-flops like they're going to the beach. Why? Because when you treat people like adults, you give them the uh, opportunity to say, okay, this culture respects me and return, they return that to you without having to be forced. And I think that that also meets uh, kind of a lot of companies don't hit the mark because it more so feels like going back to school or school 2.0, where you're walking down the hall uh, and with the time when I was going to school, you had to wear your pants, uh, your shirt, and your pants, right? And the principal's out hey, I see your shirt's tucked out a bit. I see this, and it creates more of a de, uh, defiant position. But when you give people room and say, hey, listen, this is what I expect, but this is how I'm going to treat you like an adult, people oftentimes rise up to that occasion because you, you're, you're creating a mutual respect between the two. And I think that that has been our uh, claim to fame, if you will, with being able to make sure we keep the right word structure and the right word culture and people delivering on the things they need to deliver on, and on in a consistent basis.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to guess you do not micromanage people either.
1: I do not. I do not believe in micromanager. I I believe in giving people kind of the free reign to do what they need to do the way that they need to do it uh, within their uh, within the confines of their job. Right. So super open to ideas. As a matter of fact, we have a board where people are able to bring ideas directly up to leadership. Um, Say some of the things that you feel like needs to take place. Uh, We call it a toothbrush process so basically anytime you run into an issue more times than you use your toothbrush and this is something we need to know if it's slowing down productivity, if it's an annoyance as many times as you use your toothbrush bring it right up to leadership. We can have some Kaizans around and talk about how we can perfect that uh, and continue to move forward. Also, I think that's another way that we hold uh, people accountable as well, because they feel like they're part of the process. They're not just a worker here. They're putting in thought. They're putting in uh, research. They're they're becoming part of the culture that we're building and structuring, and they can kind of see it with the... the, They can kind of see, okay, this is what I suggested. This is what changed. I can see it here. I'm not just
0: a number fitting into a box. My, I, I've never heard someone put it like that before. I might steal the uh, the toothbrush idea, but I like that a lot. Yeah. I like that yeah. a lot. And having those people then integral into the actual decision making, you know, or at least bringing up uh, problems that they have on a regular basis, I think that's very, very important is having that, you know, open communication. It's not just top down communication, you know, it's lateral communication. You can talk to somebody about an issue if it is indeed, you know, infecting your work, uh, your work day, your productivity and everything like that. Now, in addition to that, looking at actually figuring out, okay, what should people be hitting? Because I've talked to a lot of companies that do not track, Uh, believe it or not. I don't know how they, (laughs) I don't know how they operate, but they don't track. So I I'm assuming you guys do track. And then if you were just getting into this now, right? Like hypothetically Buckhead doesn't exist. You're starting your own company. Now, where would you start tracking? Um, how would you actually go to see, okay, we need to set up this many appointments. This is our close rate. And I don't want to you know, keep talking. Cause I know I'll kind of say what I want to say, but how, how would you start that process? What'd be the first thing you guys start tracking?
1: Well, you know, I would say just to, the first thing, yeah, we, we track everything like Everything has to be tracked. Everything has to be measured to make sure we're doing better and consistently growing our business. But you know, I, I would say honestly and truly. Uh, recruiting is kind of one of those things, what came first, the chicken and the egg, right? So the first thing I would say that you need to track and the first way to kind of get started is being able to strengthen up your people skills, making sure you're able to discover those and uncover those conversations. Because if you don't have that first, uh, you don't have a really good relationship with people and personnel, uh, it's hard to be able to uh, To build those relationships to to kind of carry on. So I think that's the first thing you need to track. And just to kind of give you an idea, when we first started this business, the way that we used to train salespeople um, in relationship building was each person had to drive Lyft and Uber. And we recorded those interactions uh, for a certain amount of time. It was part of the training, right? So for example, when you get an Uber and Lyft, uh, one of the bigger things about sales is mirroring the person who you are speaking with. So let's say, for example, if I got into live and I'm not a talker, but you're talking, that conversation is not going to go far. If I got into the phenomenon I'm a and you're not a talker, That then it was also a breakdown. So you gotta know how to be able to mirror. You gotta know how to be able to match. You gotta be able to know how to continue to carry those conversations. So that's the first thing that we worked on is that you gotta know how to be able to gauge what's important, what information needs to be given, what information not to be given. And a lot of people think it's funny, but I'm like, yo, Lyft and Uber is one of the best training tools that we had because it gives you that and embodies that into one space. And I I do believe as pandemic starts to subside, we're going to go back to that again, even myself. I also lived in Uber, we recorded mine and we played those doing weekly sales calls. We were able to see those things and uncover those things uh, because of what I said, it is so instrumental in knowing how to mirror people and mirror
0: mirror uh, clients. And that is such a creative solution to that because I think so many salespeople get caught up in the script, right? They have the script, they're practicing the script, and they sound car- cardboard or robotic when they right. actually do But the real thing that makes that script come to life is tonality mirroring, right? Having that connection with the person, because if you don't have that connection with the person, often an inexperienced salesperson is basically just gonna rush through that script to get to the pitch, um, not correctly diagnose the actual problem that this person has, if they even have a problem in the first place. But yeah. that is such a outside of the box solution. I absolutely love it because just having those people's skills and understanding how to carry out a conversation with a different personality type than yourself, that's going to get you so far, and that's going to build you more relationships than any, you know, than the best script in the world could. I mean, I mean that honestly.
1: Yeah, you know, I honestly think two things is what drives business and it drives sales, right? So one is obviously driven by relationships. So one, being able to be truthful and honest, being authentic, and being able to mirror and have those real conversations with people and and being able to bring that to the table, right? So one of my things I tell salespeople is that the way that we do business is we don't seem like an expert the business, the culture, the things that we do are the expert, but you don't have to be the expert, right? So you can be honest. Listen, I'm new today. I just started this. I don't know the answer to this. I know we do it. Let me get you to somebody who will. Or When we are open and honest about those conversations, I found in my own personal sales career, those things carried me further because they see me as a real human being and trust the overall process. Listen, the company has it. I don't have it. But you start to feel like you're talking to a real person. And again, when that person can match your energy, match the things that you're putting out, and really just being a concerned person or, or concerned about the issues and problems that you have, those things go so far than any strip or any solution or any or any uh, pricing uh can ever kind of can kind of make
0: up for it. Exactly. People yeah. work with who they like, and something you said there too is that professional, you know, style of selling like hey, you know, Mr. Williams, but like that has its place and I think depending on the person it can or can't work, but what we have found personally within our own company and you know firsthand myself, what we found is that laid back approach like talking to you, like you're a person and you're not the owner of a company. Like that right. is something that really connects with that person on a more deeper level. And that's how we've built a ton of not just, you know, business relationships, but friendships. Like, you know, it's, it's a really cool kind of dichotomy there that you can achieve just by not looking at it as a sales call, and just kind of going into it, knowing you have to hit a few points, you have to get a little bit of information about the person, see if they're a good fit, uh, but have fun with it along the way, you know, like the the small talk, the warm up that's always, um, that's always awesome. Never skip over that stuff, but no, that's huge. And now, Salih, so I want to get into, because this has been really good, but I do want to give you the opportunity to speak a, a little bit about your company and, you know, what's going on with that. So I'd love to start by your story like how did this happen how'd this come to be
1: yeah so good question man so honestly my story dates back to when i was let's see i got into sales and i stumbled into sales when i was 22 i believe uh before that time i was actually which is so ironic uh I was working at a warehouse, right? So you remember Avon back in the day with the ladies kind of come with the pamphlets and sell you things door to door? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I used to work at Avon's warehouse and I would basically load the boxes with all that material to ship out to the salespeople. And um, after the Christmas season, they laid all of us off. And- um, you know, I was I, I'm obviously at this point looking for a job, didn't really have many skill sets, didn't really know what I would do. You know, I've always just kind of been a natural communicator. And, and I thought that was cool. And it's kind of hard for people to see. But three blocks this way, there was a sandwich shop uh, off of 14th Street and Peachtree, which is that intersection, if anybody's familiar. And I actually hopped in there, had a couple bucks left in my pocket, bought a tuna sandwich, which was, was really tasty. Uh, I hate that that shop's not there anymore. But when I went to go throw the basket away, I seen back in the day, there was a uh, newspaper article for the job section, which just so happened to be there. And I was thumbing through it. And I seen this job talk about mortgages. And I said, well, I think mortgages tie with homes some sort of way. I like houses. This could be cool. Called them up. Uh, They interviewed me. I had about seven interviews with the company because I didn't have any experience. And they said, listen, we'll go out on a limb with you. And that's how the whole thing was birthed, man. And honestly, that was more of a a boutique mortgage company. We were doing a refinancing at the time and uh, right before the bubble burst. Um, And, you know, it kind of sparked that interest in me, one, about sales. I was able to command my income. It was something I thought I did well without much thinking. I was super fast on my feet. I like being able to build relationships. Uh, But also too because it was a boutique space, it made me start to think I would love to be able to own something similar uh, in space and style uh, as, of this company uh, as my own one day. So it kind of just planted the seed there. And I went from there. I, I've done medical sales, like I said, uh, sold uh, things into sold, uh medical equipment into dental offices and all this time as I'm doing a variety of different sales, I did outdoor sales uh, where I'm going door to door, kind of fronting it out, going to business, the business, selling them different odds and ends. And so each time as I'm going through this, I'm getting better and better and sharpen up these skills and sharpen up these skills, but never lost the sight of one day I kind of want to own my own thing, didn't really have it defined, um, but then I kind of landed on recruiting uh, simply because I knew I could sell stuff and items, but I wanted to sell something that was more impactful, right? So to kind of go back when I was selling mortgages, we were literally changing people's lives, man. There were people who would be crying on the phone who, uh, I'll never forget, there's this one uh, client that I had that the reason they wanted to refinance the home was because all the appliances were broken. So they were eating out every night and uh, doing these different types of things. And we were able to get the money out of their home and it impacted them where, Obviously, we got paid for it, but it was meant more to them are people who sent their kids to college. They couldn't figure out how to do that. So I said, if I start something, I wanted to have kind of that meaningful space to it because that's what keeps you in the long game, right? That's what gets you out of the bed every day. That's what keeps you focused doing the grunt and the grinding of it. Also, it has to have some type of real mission behind it, not just selling a bunch of things for my own personal benefit. And I thought, you know, helping connect people with jobs is no better way, right? So today we connect individuals with jobs that they uh, are able to take themselves and their family to the next level. We connect uh, startup businesses or tech businesses with candidates who can help take their dreams and desires to the next place. And it, it's no better feeling to being able to, ch- every day we come to work, we're that middleman and we're that connection piece to make both of these things become a
0: reality. Totally. And yeah. that's, that's super powerful too, because, I I won't talk about this to nauseam because I know I've touched on it on a uh, prior podcast, but chasing the almighty dollar will only get you guys so far. Right. And I think a lot of people already know this, but finding a true purpose and actually having that first life changing client where like they text you like, Hey Grant, I just got I just bought a new home or Hey Grant, you know, I'm looking to retire now. This is awesome. Or Hey Grant, like you, Help me grow my business. And this is how, you know, this helped my family. That stuff is the real mover. That stuff is the stuff that gets you out of bed, just like you said, and having that true goal, right? Because money's fantastic. We all love money. And that just comes along with the actual process of helping people. But having those experiences and really over-delivering for who you work with to ensure that you are doing everything in your power to make them, uh, make their life better, change their life for the better. Uh, in my opinion, there's no like, better feeling it's it's one of the best feelings i've ever felt in my life
1: yeah me too me too and and, and that's kind of the driving force for us right and, and we love being able to be that a day in and day out uh for people and essentially every day we come to work that's what we're doing we're we're solving problems
0: and we're connecting people to opportunities
1: so it's amazing
0: yeah so we've been we've been chatting a little bit about like the the sexy stuff right the the fun stuff to talk about A lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people, a lot of CEOs who own businesses, there has been a time in their life where they think, "Okay, is this the right decision? Is today the day I quit? Is today, you know, the day that we go out of business? I can't get share a time where that's happened to you and kind of what your mindset was throughout that to help you get to where you are today. Yeah, man, I'll tell you, you know,
1: early on, um, there's been many a times where Uh, I felt that, right? So where we had many deals that we thought were going to close, did not close, or we had times where, honestly, clients were supposed to pay us, and it didn't come forth with with the uh, uh, didn't come forth with the uh, invoicing and paying those type of things. And that's a super stressful time, right? And it, it's stressful because one, you put in all this work; two, you had to get your team up to par, and your team still is looking for you for payments and looking for you for their livelihood, and those type of things. And, and, and that becomes a super stressful time. I would say that's probably the hardest thing and probably what scares people most from entrepreneurship, right? So everything we talked about so far, like having a goal, having a vision, listen, everybody has them, but being able to kind of make it through those uh, trying times or being able to kind of oversee those things of that responsibility aspect is kind of what stops most people at the door. And, and I would say, the number one thing is this, you know, I spent seven, eight years before I started this business, really trying to work those things out. And I would say, make sure that you have a really defined uh, cause on why you're doing it. Make sure that you can understand uh, the reason behind why you're doing it and make sure it's important enough for you to be able to get through those moments because it it will come. There'll be times when you're, when you're thinking that I go out, did I go on a limb too far? uh should I have gone the opposite direction you know who did I think I was that I can be able to do this or do that um i should have just kind of stayed in my safe place but it, but if you have that defining uh, cause around it, that will be the only thing that drives you to kind of that other end. Uh, And and don't be fooled that we all are going to experience it. You know, I experienced it in my own personal life where things didn't work out well. I've obviously experienced it here. And and, and I'm sure there'll also be times in the future right around the corner. uh, There'll there'll be more of those opportunities and things that are going to come up. But it's just really kind of staying focused and staying, uh, making sure you're committed to the reason why you got into it in the first place.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, you know, one of the things that I heard um, from one of our mentors was, Know, salespeople and entrepreneurs both have the best salespeople and entrepreneurs have short memories, right? So they forget those. Uh, big setbacks and they kind of keep, keep that focus, keep that tunnel vision on what their goal is. And they don't let a lot of this outside noise distract them because you said something there too, that was super relatable, right? Having deals fall through, having people not pay you, having that stuff happen, that sucks. That is like the worst. And a lot of people listening probably have experienced that too. Uh, I'm willing to put you know money on it that they have, but yeah, it's the best of us. exactly. The worst thing you can do, is beat yourself up over it. Think, oh man, if I said this differently or oh my God, if I would have said, if I would have sent him this instead of that. No, you need to go back. You need to definitely review it and see if there's stuff that you would want to change, but do not beat yourself up over that because all that's going to do at the end of the day is have you living in the past and you've already been there, right? You can learn from the past and make sure that you are reviewing your calls because it's very important, but do not sit in that moment, forever, because that's just one moment in the grand scheme of things. That's one deal. I don't, I don't care how big the deal was, right? Because you're going to have more. You're going to have more conversations. You got to the point where you had that conversation. You either got them to agree to a call with you, whether it was through you know cold outreach, referrals, whatever the case was. That's a huge victory in and of itself. And then keeping those small victories and realizing that you are actually making forward progress is huge because. Something I, I, I really, really stress to people who are starting their entrepreneurial journey and maybe even they say like, hey man, I'm having a rough time right now. Like this sucks. Stop for a second, take a look at where you are right now and then look at where you were before you started this because I feel like as entrepreneurs, we're so focused on the now and that is exactly what, you know. we still plan ahead, but the now is what we live in. So we don't ever take a step back and say, oh my God, like look at all this progress I've personally made as well as the company. Like that's insane, right? Take a second, do not focus so much on your newest setback, but look at your growth throughout the last three years, you know, two months, a week, whatever the case is, do that. And I did not mean to go on a tangent there, but that just really hit a personal no, note with I, I, me. That's awesome.
1: No, totally agree. And, and just to just to kind of piggyback on that, just one second,
0: yeah.
1: there was an opportunity here uh, at one point where we had a conversation with a potential client. This client was huge. I don't want to put the name out, but the client was huge. The opportunity was huge. They had a bunch of open positions for us. We we knew it was great, right? Clients said things were going well. We sent them over to MSA and then it went ghost. Obviously, we am beat, beating ourselves up about it. I'm beating myself up about it, reaching out to the client, can't get them on the phone, can't get them back in. Uh, two weeks later, we end up signing the largest contract that we've ever had in our company with a different client. And guess what? We forgot all about the other one. So and you're absolutely right. If you start to beat yourself up, you get too far into the mud about it, um, you start to take those things personal. And, and for me, I have to understand, listen, everything that happens in my life is it personal, even though it happened with me, right? There's a lot of things that may not be spoken about, a lot of things that maybe that person didn't tell me, but I, I'd be able to kind of dust myself off and just continue to move forward. And oftentimes your biggest win, your biggest success is right around the corner. And and obviously this is easier said than done. And, and by no means am I... Uh, blinded by that but i am saying that it's worth a shot if you continue to stay focused on the things you're doing well because it's going to fall you just got to make sure you stay in the game long enough so it can actually start to fall within your fall in your favor
0: 100 that's that's exactly it that's exactly it. i that's literally exactly what it is keep on going keep on digging keep on trucking. whatever you want to say that is the actual key like just like you said you lost that huge deal but I bet you forgot about that deal as soon as that other one closed. So it
1: it didn't even cross our minds anymore, right? Um, And I think that's also too, another thing, Uh, you got to make sure that no matter what you're doing, you continue to have a pretty big pipeline of things that you're working on. Don't, don't, don't rest everything on, on one deal or one client or one situation. You'll always just dis- be disappointed. But even if you lose something big and you have a couple more small things that you're working, it'll carry you through until you get to that next big thing. But it's so important that that's all mental at this point, right? So it's so easy to fall into the guilt trip or, or, or become complaints that I want to give up but being able to look at this thing, OK, listen, I, I wasn't able to land this, but I can I can work these things until I get back into position to land the bigger, because there are going to be more opportunities if you continue to stay persistent, stay consistent in the things you're doing, if, uh, redefining and uh, polishing up the things that you're that, that whatever field that you're in, you're going to become better and better. And better and it's gonna lead you to more and more opportunities where you will be able to shine and uh, be able to get back some of the things that you thought were were
0: were a loss. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. Now talking within Buckhead recruiting a little bit, I want to talk, I wanna talk a little bit about your guys' approach because on your website you have a pretty cool um, page that kind of lays out your approach, but I also want to talk a little bit about your digital aspect, because I know that's something you want to touch on too. So I'll open the floor up to you. You talked about the approach first. I mean, how do you actually go from request for job to, you know, fulfill job or vice versa, you know, whichever way you guys are working?
1: Yeah. So really we spent some time thinking about what makes that really unique, right? So typically when a client comes to us, uh, uh, most of the time they have some other team or some other solution to find these positions. So either the either the volume has gotten too big for them that they can't take it on any longer. Or the position is a bit harder for them to feel at the pace in which they need it. Right. So Oftentimes that means when people get to us, it's a 911, essentially. So with that being said, clients don't have enough time for us to kind of figure it out. We got to kind of have that. So we really pride ourselves on uh, making sure that we don't waste the client's time any longer because time has already been wasted because they couldn't fill the role by the time they gave it to us. So we spend a lot of time making sure we build the right relationships, like I said, right? So that goes back to why we only work within certain areas. It helps us to build candidate relationship so that we can deliver on those deliverables at the time when we need to deliver on them. Um, It also makes sure that we vet them, have good conversations with them. We also make sure that, like I said earlier, we have an account management portion of our business where all we're doing is building relationships with clients because you can find someone who has the best skill set. They can check off all the boxes for skill, but if they're not a good cultural fit, then it's still not a good fit for the client. So we got to make sure they they understand that both, right? So that we only get that by building that relationship with the client, uncovering. I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, no matter what a client tells you, the first two things they tell you is never the truth on why they need this or what's going on. It's when you get past that, when you get down to the third and the fourth reason, those are the connecting dots that needed to be able to make this, make it a real success. And only way we do that is by spending time, right? So we, by this process, we take them through these internal vetting. We understand needs. We understand candidates. We understand clients. We understand the, the industry that they're in allows us to uh, bubble up the right people so that they're not spending a bunch of time with people who don't qualify. They really find themselves in a really tough decision on which one of these really qualified candidates I want to move forward with. Um, or, which happens a lot, because people are really qualified, they don't want to just open up a whole other position because we don't want this qualified person to, uh, to, to pass us by.
0: Yeah. And so with that, you know, I'm obviously not in your space. So coming from a place of just not actually knowing this is you guys, people come to you in a time of like 911 crisis, right? So you guys need to move rapidly. You guys have kind of a time crunch. Yeah. How do you ensure that you have quality people that you're connecting to your clients in that time frame? Cause to me, it sounds like that's, you know kind of like a, a pretty stressful high pace, you know, bang, bam, bam situation. So how does that happen for you guys? again
1: just building client candidate relationships one of the things that we do is uh which is super important to us is that all of our recruiters i guess i don't want to give you too much of our secret sauce but a lot all of our recruiters have recruited are recruiting in areas that they worked in before so for example a recruiter who recruits for sales roles was once a salesperson an it position. They were once in, working as an engineer or whatever in IT. So it allowed us to be able to cut through a lot of the red tape. So you may see someone or I may see someone say, oh, they sound great. They know how to do blah, 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 blah. But if you've done it, it becomes more of a peer-to-peer conversation than versus there being kind of a hierarchy, right? So you're talking to more of a colleague at this point. We're uncovering some of the needs. We're uncovering some of those things, and that allow us the opportunity to bubble up the right people because they know the things to look for, the things not to look for, spoken and unspoken, to make sure they're the best candidate, where I wouldn't know because I haven't done, I haven't been an engineer.
0: I like that. I think that's good. I think that goes back to what we talked about earlier about like the Uber and having people, um, you know, mirror people and having people in the similar field recruiting for that similar field. I think that's a really, really cool way of doing that. Now, digital aspect side of things. We talked a little bit about this off camera, but I want to bring this, you know, into the light. I want to bring this in front of the camera and have you kind of take the floor and share a little bit about what that means. Like what does having a digital aspect of your company mean to you?
1: Well, first of all, it's huge, right? So, you know, we spent a lot of time on the interior of the business, building it out, making sure that uh, everything works well, right? So making sure all those things are gelling the way they're supposed to and uh, moving the way they're supposed to. But all of that stuff is great. But if you don't have anybody taking advantage of it, then it's of no use, right? So making sure that we are attractive external making sure that people can see us, make sure people can engage with us, make sure we have engaging content out there. And you know, right now we are working a lot on our marketing aspect of our business. We're we're putting ourselves more and more out there. But also to I would say one of the bigger digital reasons that drives us is what people are saying, what our clients are saying, what our candidates are saying, right? When they go back to Google or Glassdoor, wherever they go back and they give us a positive rating, that helps our digital footprint more than any type of way that we can spend tens of thousands of dollars on a website. Um, these are real live people who can talk about stories, who can go back and talk about these things. So really our digital footprint is tied to our client and candidate experience with us, because both of those really are our clients, is client experience. What are they getting when they get us? I, I know they may work with 20 different recruiting companies, which you're looking for a job. And I know clients may have talked to different ones, but we wanna be able to leave such a lasting impression on them both that when they come into our orbit, it's something different than what they experience. And so that could be small things on doing the things that we say we're gonna do with the time we're gonna do it. Consistently following up staying in contact, building those relationships, spending time and learning and observing, uh, uh, you know, before now be going out to spending time with those people in person. You know, we we would take clients out to basketball games and football games and all these different types of things so that it it becomes that whole experience and so that they can trust us as being an extension of their business um, and candidates can trust us to make sure we deliver, right? So- in some cases, it's being honest about, hey, this position is not a good fit for you. Yeah, it makes perfect sense for us to want to fill it. We get paid, but we don't want to put someone in something that doesn't make sense for the whole, for everybody. So there's building that trust element, I think, helps us more than anything that we can personally say. I think it's those things that helps us to uh, help to broaden our messages uh, on
0: a digital footprint more than anything. That's awesome. And so Lee, we'll wrap things up here. Um, where can we reach out to you? Where can we find you guys? What do you want to plug that you have coming up? Uh, floor is yours, my friend.
1: Yeah, you know, you can always reach out to us via our website, uh, bugheadrecruiting.com. We own all socials, Buckhead Recruiting. So Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter make sure I don't forget one. Oh uh, yeah. You can, you can reach us all of those places. Right. So uh, we, we try to stay engaged, you know, especially with our social media, we, we do our best to not only just talk about the things that we have going on here, but we also want to be, we position ourselves kind of be an industry expert. Right. So if you just want knowledge regarding what's going on in the market, what are some of the hiring trends? What are some of the things that help you to land interviews? What are some of the things to help can, uh, uh, employees become more engaged and more responsive we try to create that space on online where we're not just kind of always looking for roles and looking for things but you can come back there for information that you need to further your career what well, we think can make companies and managers better and more efficient at uh, managing people so we try
0: to house both of those things together there as well there we go and as always we're going to link that stuff down below uh so Lee. Awesome podcast today, man. I really, really appreciate you getting into uh, some details here and sharing some of your experience with us.
1: No, I I definitely appreciate being here. You guys are doing a lot of great things. uh, And I appreciate the, I'm super honored to, uh, to be actually on.
0: Right on guys. If you are looking for somebody to solve recruiting needs, who thinks outside of the box and uses those creative solutions uh, you got to hit silly up. You got to do it. He has been uh, check out his website. Once you're on there, you're going to see what I'm talking about. So Thanks for listening. We'll catch you soon.